Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast, entitled The Emigrant Edge, content very close to my own heart. As some of you know, in 1986, I left my native Ireland and moved to San Diego, California, where I still live with my wife, Beverly, and our six kids. Along the way, I've learned a few things about how to succeed as a stranger in a strange land, and I've also studied many, many people who've done the same thing. In fact, over the last 30 years or so, I've been studying why there are so many rags-to-riches stories of people who come to America with nothing. My story, very, very common, in fact. And so what I found is that there's seven consistent traits I have found in people who've come to this country with nothing and have built themselves a fortune or a successful business or a very successful life. And so I thought what I'd do today is share with you those seven traits and put in context for your things that perhaps you can take on board. And what I've had the joy of sharing this with some audiences is that people have realized that they didn't have to emigrate and move to a whole new country to actually experience or utilize these seven traits. The fact is, we're all immigrants, and we can all utilize these things. Now, I'm going to introduce you to a brand new word, by the way, not for folks in the country I grow up in, but for a lot of folks in the States or even in Canada, the word emigrant is not a word they're that familiar with. It's spelled E-M-I-G-R-A-N-T. Now, today we have a lot of political talk about immigration and a lot of issues that that creates, and, and certainly it does. But an emigrant is a person who leaves their own home to permanently settle in another. It's a person who leaves their own home to permanently settle in another. In Ireland, we're very, very familiar with emigration. In fact, there is not a family in Ireland that doesn't have a relative living somewhere abroad. For 150 years, Ireland's greatest export has been its people. We had experienced a crushing famine in the 1840s that set in motion for the past 150, 160 years, a methodology and uh, somewhat of a movement of people leaving the country. And so the emigrant is the person who leaves where they are to go somewhere better. And with that comes the mindset of almost all growth. The fact of the matter is if you want to change your life, you want to change your health, you want to change your marriage, your relationship with your kids, you want to change your finances, you want to change your spiritual walk, you have to move from one place to another. In fact, in order to grow at all, you ultimately have to make a decision to tap into some of these very same things as if you're leaving one place to go to another, physically, in a land. But it might just be that you stay in the same town, you might stay in the same house, but you're making a massive choice to change yourself. So I will make a great case today that anyone who's a seeker and anyone who's legitimately interested in changing their life for the better, ultimately must embrace the mindset of an immigrant. Now, first of all, let me share with you, there are natural advantages that someone like myself, who came to this country and emigrated to this country, has. And here's why it's so common. First of all, you're coming to a better place. Now, understand this. When you listen to the intro to this show, and the band Brogue Wave is playing The Cliffs of Moher. That tune and that song is in my DNA, okay? 
I'm in my podcast studio here, and there's a giant map of Ireland on the wall. I'm Irish through and through by sense and sensibility. I bleed green, is what my wife used to say, even though I became an American citizen almost 15 years ago. But the fact of the matter is, when I left Ireland, Ireland in the mid-1980s was an economic third world country. We had a lovely family, very, very close, five boys and one girl. Mom and dad lived in a 720-square-foot home. Very, very close, very connected, but not a lot of opportunity. We lived in what was certainly a class system. Many people really aren't as connected or understand what a class system is. And so having a chance to come to a better place was enormous. Having a chance to spread your wings and not be limited by the size of the opportunity or the size of the market. You know, coming from a a population at the time of three and a half million to a population of 320 million. You know, San Diego County has three million people in it. The country of Ireland, when I left, had three and a half million. So you see the size of the opportunity. It's just so much bigger. And so, uh, you know, people like Rupert Murdoch, who's one of the wealthiest men in the world, said, as an immigrant, I chose to live in America because it's one of the freest and most vibrant nations in the world. Here's a man who was a successful man and coming from Australia, and he came to the States. For him, it was a better place. And so that's a natural advantage. You're coming to a better place. Now, let's say you're not an immigrant and you don't plan on leaving the country or moving to a different country. How can that natural advantage be yours? Well, that's about setting a goal. That's about setting a goal to go to a better place. The next natural advantage that an immigrant has is that they're already pursuing a dream. Whether it's spoken, written, or just in mind, anyone who leaves their homeland, you leave so much. You're coming to a better place, but you're leaving your family. You're leaving your loved ones. You know, it was funny. My kids were watching a movie last night on Apple TV, I guess, and it was called Brooklyn. And it's an Irish immigrant gal who comes to Brooklyn and falls in love and whatever else. And they were discussing this movie amongst themselves. And then I said, oh, this sounds fantastic. And my oldest daughter, Anna, said to me, Dad, I think it's going to be hard for you to watch that movie. And it was pretty profound. I said, well, why do you think that is? She goes, it's going to bring up a lot of emotions for you of leaving your mom and dad. And you know what? How in tune that kid is. Because there's no doubt. My mother and father still live in Dublin. Four of my brothers all emigrated to the States over the course of six, seven-year period of time frame. And every immigrant knows there's a sadness, there's something you leave behind that tugs at your heartstrings forever. That's why so many American Irish have all these songs and Danny Boy and all of these different things. There's a lot of songs American Irish sing that aren't really sung by Irish people in Ireland because they're very melancholy about wanting to go back home. Well, that's the same of every ethnic group that ever came to America. So you're coming to a better place. You're already pursuing a dream. Very, very powerful. You know, Barbara Shear, best-selling author, said, as soon as you start to pursue a dream, your life wakes up and everything has meaning. Again, you don't have to leave your home country to go pursue a dream, do you? You don't have to leave your home country to go to a better place. But for an immigrant, these are natural advantages. The last piece I'd say here, the last of the natural advantages, is that you had to pay a price to get here. You had to pay an emotional price. You had to pay a physical price. You had to pay a price where you were literally knew nothing. You go from having certain levels of competency where you are to not knowing anything at all. You know, my brother Dermot emigrated much later than I did and came to join me. He's now the CEO of Buffini Company today, a true emigrant success story in his own right. 
my brother Dermot is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Honest to God, he's like an Irish Robin Williams. He is hilarious. But when Dermot came to the States, he would be in bars, he would be at a restaurant, he would be in a golf course with me, he'd be in a social setting, and he would crack one of his funny lines, and people would just stand there and just look at him. And I remember after about six months of this, he's like, I've lost my mojo. And I'm like, Darren, give it about another year and you'll find out what makes the Yanks laugh. And then even beyond the Yanks, what makes Californians laugh, which is a whole other story in itself. A different podcast for a different day. The bottom line is there are natural advantages that an immigrant has when they get off the plane and come to a new country. They're coming to a better place. They're already pursuing a dream. And they paid a price to get there. You know, Sun Tzu in The Art of War, he said, victory is reserved for those who are willing to pay its price. And that is true. And that's the thing about today's society is there's an awful lot of folks who promise success, the infomercial culture, and they say it's quick and it's easy and it's painless. Well, that is not the immigrant mindset. And that is not the mindset of people who become very, very successful. Now, there are natural disadvantages. And you'll find for an immigrant... They have a disadvantage that you don't have if you grew up here. And that's the first thing is don't understand the culture. Don't understand the culture. I like to tell a funny story. When I first came to San Diego, you know, my goal was to get a suntan and meet suntan women. That was my goal. I'm still kind of pale and I married an African-American. So life never quite turns out the way you plan. You know what I'm saying? Better in my case, obviously. But I'm staying down at Pacific Beach in San Diego, which is where everyone who comes to San Diego starts. And I meet a girl, and she invites me to go water skiing. Now, subtext, I don't know how to swim. Small detail. By the way, most of the paddies at home didn't know how to swim either. So I'm invited to go water skiing. But I'm pursuing a girl, so of course I say yes. So I get there. They're kind of giving me the instructions. Whatever you do, don't let go of the rope. Bend your knees. Do this, do that, the other thing. And then this fellow on the boat says to me, Hey, dude, do you want a Snickers? Now, I have no idea what a Snickers is. Right? I don't understand the culture. I never heard of one. And so Snickers sounds closely to a word we use in Ireland called knickers. So I'm thinking to myself, do I have to wear a special type of underwear to go water skiing? And this is in my mind the whole time. Now, I thought it was kind of odd that someone would offer you underwear. So I said, no, thank you very much. I get on the boat. I get into the water with the skis on. And all of a sudden, the one thought going through my mind as the boat speeds up and as the, the rope starts to get taut oh my God, I don't have the right underwear on to do this water skiing. I'm going to drown here and I don't know how to swim. So sure enough, boat takes off. I get up for about, I don't know, three and a half seconds, face plant. And of course, I hang on to the rope. I do everything they tell me not to. Why? Because I don't have the right Snickers on, if you know what I'm saying. Now, obviously, after they brought me back to life and got all the water out of my system, when I finally found out later on in the day that a Snickers was a candy bar, it's just one of those things. And as an immigrant, you have those happen all the time. And it's a learning curve. It's a heck of a learning curve. So think about this, you know, think of all the immigrants who come, for example, uh, to America in the last 20 years. And there are studies that have shown that up to 80% of millionaires in the last 20 years are first generation immigrants. These are people who didn't understand the culture. You understand the culture. So how much more of an advantage do you have over those folks coming here with nothing? The next thing is folks don't have established relationships. And people don't have established relationships, you're kind of starting with nothing. You know, in my case, I was 19. I don't know what a Snickers is. I was doing a little painting work, because that's what our family business was. 
and I got a little paint job working for a guy, and I had a motor scooter, and I'm riding to work one day, and I get plowed over, and I end up being in and out of hospital for the next two years. That's the incident that changed my life forever. That's the reason I end up basically having to stay in the States. And so I know nobody. I have no established relationships, and I'm literally by myself starting out from scratch. And so that is the essence of I was the most innovative I think I ever was. I figured out how to rob Peter to pay Paul. I found ways to get around. I actually started working. Once I got my leg into a reasonable cast, I had a full cast, and they cut it down to a half cast. I actually took an arm and a pedal off a bicycle, rigged myself up a piece of wood, and I'd cycle my way around town with my left leg so my right leg would be out front. And I would go and knock on doors. Fay Avenue, which I didn't know at the time, was one of the most expensive areas in all of La Jolla, one of the most expensive zip codes in the world. And I'm going up and down the storefronts with my leg in a cast and the cast on a wooden board, pedaling with one leg, knocking on the doors, wanting to know if they wanted me to do paint jobs for them. And you know enough people did? And they say, yeah, come on in and paint our store, and I would do it. So you don't have established relationships. You're, you're just having to figure it out. You're just having to create it. For those people who have established relationships, especially people who own their own business, the relationships are everything. When you're an immigrant and you're just starting over, you don't know anybody. Nobody knows you. Everything is a cold call. Everything is a fresh introduction of yourself. So, again, it's a big disadvantage. In your case, if you're listening here and you were raised in, in the community you live in, it might well be your great big advantage. Another natural disadvantage is they don't have many assets or resources. I love to tell the story of when I first got in a real estate business. Once I realized I, I was going to stay in the States, I had to work my way out of debt. One of the ways to do that, I, I met a number of people. I was asking people how they became successful. A lot of successful people are people I met just along the way were people who owned real estate. And I thought, man, I want to own real estate someday. And one of the ways to own real estate was to learn how to buy and sell it. So I actually ended up studying and getting my real estate license. So I remember I'm sitting in an open house, which many of you have probably passed through in your life. And a little lady walks in, a little old Mexican lady, about four foot ten, about 300 pounds. She had some kind of sauce on her blouse. And she's asking me questions in broken English. And I'm doing the best I can to answer. She asked me a couple of questions I didn't know the answer to because I'm this rookie real estate agent. And I said, I promise I'll follow up with you tomorrow. So the next day I called her. I gave her the answers to her questions. She said, okay. She said, I like you. I like you when I met you. She goes, also, you followed up and people never follow up. So she goes, I want you to come on over and I want you to sell a house for me. And you're going to help me buy a house for my child. So I end up going to this part of town, a little rougher part of town. And I didn't own a car. So I borrow a car and I borrow a car from a friend of mine that I just met, and he gave me his son's deadhead mobile, okay? So picture this. It's a station wagon that's covered in its entirety with Grateful Dead stickers. Inside, it's all painted in the colors of Grateful Dead, the purple and all the different colors they used. The driver's side was, door was caved in and was held with a bungee cord to the passenger side door. So I roll up in the Grateful Dead mobile, I never forget it, pulling into the front of the house, and this kid comes running out of the house. He goes, who are you? And I say, I'm the realtor. And he goes, running back into the house, and he announces. My announcement coming into the house was like the town crier going in front of me going, Mom, the realtor's been in a car wreck. That's how I went on my first ever listing appointment, you know? But you don't have many resources as an immigrant. Sometimes you don't have any at all. Some of you listening, you know, you might be sitting here thinking about what you don't have. And a lot of times people, I don't have this and I don't have that. But I'll tell you this, 
you have an awful lot more than most of the people who come here with just a, a duffel bag like myself. So you have to realize you do have some resources. You do have some things. By the way, I did make that sale. And that little old Mexican lady bought 10 different houses for me over the course of the next few years. All because, she said, most of the people she met didn't follow up with her because they didn't think she had any money. When you're an immigrant, everything's an opportunity and you see opportunity everywhere. The next piece is that a big piece for me, and one of the reasons why this podcast exists, one of the reasons why my coaching company, Buffini Companies, existed for 20 years and has coached and trained more than 3 million people, is the biggest natural disadvantage I experienced when I came to America was that I didn't have any role models and mentors. Uh, you know, I'd left home when I was 19. The personal growth and development, the self-help industry really didn't exist in Ireland at the time. In fact, I would say right now, Self-help and personal growth is exploding all over the world faster than it is anywhere in the States. But here there was this mentorship, there were seminars, there were books you could read, there were self-help sections in, in the bookstores, there were audio cassettes you could buy, and this was a whole new world to me. In fact, in 1986, I went to a success seminar, and I heard, in one day, I heard Zig Ziglar, I heard Jim Rohn, I heard... Lou Holtz. I heard Tommy Hopkins. I mean, it was unbelievable stuff. I never forget it. And that put me on the path to really realize, and hang on a second here, I might not have a bunch of mentors and role models to help me out, but actually they're available. In fact, if you ever get a chance to be in San Diego and go visit our campus, we have four buildings at our corporate headquarters, you'll find rooms. There's a Ziegler conference room named after Zig. There's a Lou Tice library there's a Stephen Covey training room. There's an Og Mandino conference room. There's a Jim Rohn conference room. I've named these places for connection and community and ongoing training in our, in our company after these mentors who shaped me, who influenced me, who helped me along the way. And it's one of the reasons I'm with you today, sharing what I have. I've been given the gift of mentorship. I've been given the gift of self-help and instruction. And I want to give that gift out for the rest of my days to others. So hopefully you'll find these podcasts enjoyable and they'll benefit you and bless your life. So let me get down to the nitty-gritty in the time I have. I want to talk to you about the seven traits that I have found in all of these immigrant stories. And when I meet somebody who's a hugely successful immigrant and I end up having a conversation, it's amazing how these seven boxes eventually get check, 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 check. And I'm going to say this again because I don't want you to think that this message is for somebody else. I literally had this happen. I want to back up for a second. I had a guy come one of our events, and I was doing a meet and greet. And I'm taking pictures and signing books and doing, you know, meeting the people and shaking hands and having fun. I really enjoy that stuff. And the guy walks up to me and he goes, you know, Brian, he goes, you know, I would just love to be as successful as you are. But he goes, you know, you've come from such a tough spot. He says, you know, you grew up without having a lot of resources. You grew up in a kind of a tough neighborhood. You came here, you got run over by a car, you got into huge amounts of debt. And uh, you had all these tough things happen to you. But for me, he said, I, I was raised in a middle-class family. My parents are still together. I got good grades in school. I, I got good grades in college. I did really well. And because of that, I just don't feel like I'm that motivated. And he goes, you've had all these tough things happen. And because of that, you're very, very motivated. And I remember I was dying laughing inside. And I finally said to him, you know, cracking up a little bit. I go, hey, 
How about we go out in the parking lot right now and I run over you a couple of times? I said, you know, that'll get you motivated. You don't have to have these terrible things happen to you to get motivated. You just have to understand that maybe there's a desire and a drive for you to do more, be more, and become who you're destined to be. You know, that's really what it's all about. And that leads into the first major trait that I've found in all successful rags-to-riches emigrant stories, and that is a voracious openness to learn. Not just I'm open to learn, but voracious. Eat the meat and then go after the marrow and the bones. I had cassette tapes that I listened to until the tapes snapped. That's right, I used to listen to cassette tapes. I know there's some millennials right now are Googling cassette tapes. Well, God bless you. Check it out. The fact is, when I'd read a book, I'd read a book and it looked like it had been run over by a car and then thrown in a dumpster. My books were gnarled. They were highlighted. I had notes in them. I would have one copy of a book to have on my shelf, but then I'd have another copy of these books that I was just plowing through. Ellie Weissel was an Auschwitz survivor who also uh, won the Nobel Prize. And he said, there's a divine beauty in learning. He says, others have been here before me and I walk in their footsteps. I'm going to say this to you. There's nothing I will ever share in a podcast that's going to be new under the sun. I doubt I will ever share an original thought with you that hasn't been expressed by somebody. Now, what I do believe is I can present it to you in such a way that gives you clarity or maybe make you think about something in a way you haven't thought about it before. But the fact of the matter is, there are so many people that have come before us who have written down and notated their wisdom. And it's our job to be a student of that, a voracious openness to learn. I'll tell you a story of a man. His name is Vivek Ranadive. He's born in India, and he realized that for him, education was his way out. So he had this voracious openness to learn. Eventually, found a way to get scholarship to go to MIT. He ends up founding a company called Technicron. They're a software system. They actually are credited with digitizing Wall Street. A multi-multi-millionaire who's gone on to do many, many more successful things. In fact, as a hobby business, he is now the owner of the NBA's Sacramento Kings. Okay? But this is a guy that has a voracious openness to learn. How did he end up with an NBA team? His daughter's 14-year-old basketball team didn't have a coach, so he studied the game basketball. He'd never seen it, no interest in it. He ends up leading those girls to a championship, fell in love with the game, started reading everything he could about it, researched this, talked to that person, talked to this person. He ends up being a minority owner in the Golden State Warriors, eventually becoming the full owner of the Sacramento Kings. Here's the thing. The trait here of the emigrant edge is an edge that's committed to learning in a lifelong capacity. The fact is, I don't sit here today telling you I'm done. I'm a finished product. I like to say my restaurant is open for business, but under construction. So voracious openness to learn. Second major trait of these rags to riches stories, these emigrant edges, are a do-whatever-it-takes mindset. A do-whatever-it-takes mindset. It's interesting. You know, I've just recently moved home. And so there's just lots of services and lots of people. You know, there's a difference between moving and moving in. Uh, We've got some redecorating going on. I've got putting greens being put in and all these different things. And I would say we've had up to 20 different services come to our home, people with businesses. And it is just amazing to see those that have this and those who don't. This morning, there was literally a couple of drops of rain that lasted from about 7 to 7.15. And the guys who were there to install the garden said, ah, And they packed up their tools and headed home. I'm like, God bless you. God bless you. 
it's just amazing to me. I see it all the time. The first time there's any kind of little resistance at all, no, and just give up and just quit and just not try. As opposed to a do-whatever-it-takes mindset is whatever it takes. I'm not talking about ethically or morally. I'm talking about we're going to figure this out. Whatever it takes, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure out we're going to get this done with the resources we have, and we're going to find a way to get it done. Whether it's taking a, a pedal off a bike and putting on a piece of wood, you just whatever it takes. I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I've been flying around the world for 15 years in my own private jets and this and that and the other. I still have the do whatever it takes mindset. It's absolutely no different. It's absolutely no different today than the guy with the bicycle. Okay, Alexander Graham Bell. We all know him. He was actually not just a brilliant inventor, but he was also an immigrant who came from Scotland. He said, a man, as a general rule, owes very little to what he is born with. A man is what he makes of himself. Obviously, man or woman. I can tell you a great example of that would be a story of a woman who was born in Czechoslovakia. As a very young girl, as the Nazis invade her country, her family and her leave in the middle of the night and they move to England. Shortly after they move to England, the bombardment of London takes place. And London starts getting just shellacked by German bombers. Her family, along with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of British families, put their little daughter on a train and send her up to Scotland to live with families they don't connect it to. So just all these Scottish people opened up their homes and took in these kids. So here she is. She's this kid. She's moved from one country to the other to the other. Finally moves back to Czechoslovakia just in time for the communists to come. So her family then, once and for all, they take off. She ends up moving to America. She's into education, has a do-whatever-it-takes mindset, eventually gets her PhD. She's from Georgetown, but she's a full-time mom, and she's all about raising her kids. Well, while she's being a full-time mom, she's on the PTA, and she gets involved with a fundraiser for the school and does such a terrific job that there's a politician on the school board who notices her. And politicians, they like fame, they like publicity, but above all else, they like money. And so this politician approaches this woman and says, hey, I'd like you to fill a position for me. The woman's name is Madeleine Albright, and she ends up becoming the 64th U.S. Secretary of State. Now, again, you think we never really ask the question anymore, how did that person get there? What do they know? What have they done? Today, we let people give advice freely who've never really achieved much. There is someone who's overcome a ton. There's an awful lot of wisdom in the heart and mind of a woman like that. She's been there. She's done that. But above all, she has a do-whatever-it-takes mindset. And that the very same thing that her and her family overcame when she was very young are the very same gifts and mindset that she brought to being Secretary of State for the United States. A third trait that gives people an emigrant edge is a willingness to outwork others. A willingness to outwork others. Now, I'm not talking about in this obsessive nature of 100 hours a week and seven days a week to the neglect of all other things. I believe in what I call the good life, about having an approach to life that focuses on five key areas, spiritual, family, business, financial, and personal, when I'm talking to entrepreneurs. I don't believe success in life is the guy that works or the gal that works 100 hours a week. That's somebody who doesn't have a life, no matter how much they love their work. But a willingness to outwork others is a key component And uh, Calvin Coolidge, okay, President of the United States, said in the early 1900s, all growth depends on activity. Now, this podcast is designed for people who are interested in growth. That's what it's for. And Calvin Coolidge, who became the President of the United States, said all growth depends on activity. 
There's no development physically or intellectually without effort, and effort means work. End of story. You got to work. You got to work hard. And whatever it is you put your mind to, you got to work hard. You know, Sergey Brin, born in uh, Moscow, moved to the U.S. when he was a young kid, worked hard, worked hard in school. Now, remember, to go from speaking Russian to speaking English is an awful big jump, okay? Very difficult language to switch from. Becomes very dedicated in school, eventually gets a scholarship to go to Stanford. While he was at Stanford, he met a guy named Larry Page. And they eventually, like many great successful people, and people who were even open to learn, they dropped out and they started a little company called Google, okay? Today, he's responsible for Google special projects like Google Glass and self-driving cars and all those kinds of things. But Sergey Brin owns 16% of a company that has an estimated net worth of about $25 billion. Okay, he's doing okay. Don't need to keep him on your prayer list, boys and girls. He's doing fine. Voracious openness to learn, do whatever it takes, and a willingness to outwork others. These three are kind of the setup. These are the foundational pieces that set up the Emigrant Edge. Now I'm going to take you in a little different mode here. This one might surprise you, but number four would be a heartfelt spirit of gratitude. A heartfelt spirit of gratitude. I have a few quotes that I hang up in my office here at the studio, but one is from Cicero, and it says, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. On a future episode here, I'll bring Beverly, my bride, in, and we're going to do a Q&A with people on... Uh, marriage and relationships and raising kids and we don't have the perfect family but uh, it's certainly perfect for us we have six great kids that are high achievers in their own right but who really love and care for each other and mom and dad still seem to mean a lot to them and I would say this I think if there's one thing we've done right in our parenting and one thing we've done right in our relationship with one another is how committed we are to expressing gratitude You know, when you feel gratitude and don't express it, it has the exact same effect as ingratitude. So gratitude not expressed is a dead virtue. And I'm going to share with you how the emigrant edge, when you wake up every morning and you're thankful for what you have, when you are thankful for the opportunity, you're thankful for the place you live in, you're thankful for the resources you have, obviously it's easier for those of us who came to a better place to start with. But I'm going to say to you, when you start the day with the spirit of gratitude, everything else in your day works. Everything else in your day works. If you look at all the character flaws or all of the traits that you least like about yourself, when you get critical or envious or angry or frustrated, impatient, all of those things ultimately do not flow from a spirit of gratitude. Gratitude changes your philosophy every hour of every day. And I'm going to tell you kind of an extraordinary story. A young boy named Peter Petrasik when he was 12 years old. And he was from Czechoslovakia. And I got a lot of Czechoslovakian stories during World War II here today. But it just so happens that's the case. So Peter, his parents were killed. And he was being brought to get into the Hitler Youth. Okay? So pretty hardcore stuff. He's on a plane with a bunch of kids being sent to be trained in the Hitler Youth as a 12-year-old boy. Well, the plane gets shot down, and he and one other boy survive. And they end up hiking all the way to Switzerland. They find a way to get from Switzerland and eventually work their way over to Canada. Eastern Canada, they get all the way over to Vancouver and Western Canada. And then he eventually emigrates into America in 1951 and works in Seattle 
in the Bethlehem steel plant. Meets an Irish gal named Joan, and of course, how can you not have the good life when you meet an Irish gal? And so they get married. She worked as a seamstress in a upholstery factory, and he worked in Bethlehem Steel. And uh, they did that until the day they passed. Well, just last year, when they passed, uh, they had no kids. They left their estate, and their estate, you know, I mean, two working people who started with nothing, of $847,000. They left it to the Department of Treasury. They left it to the U.S. government. They left their inheritance to the U.S. government. Now, if I were given financial advice, and I certainly will do that from time to time, I might have had different advice on what to do with the money or where they could have gone or all that kind of stuff. You can certainly argue that. But I want you to think about this for a second. Let's flip it on its head. Can you imagine that from 1951 till 2015, till they passed, what their thought life was? How do you think they went through their day every day? It had to be completely filled with a spirit of gratitude and appreciation for this new land that had embraced them. It had to be. And it wasn't just, it was an afterthought, what do we do with all of our money and we set up a will to do that. It had to be that every day these people were pinching themselves of being so appreciative to live in this new world. It had to be that. And I know it has to be that because I kind of feel the same way myself. I know it. I kind of pinch myself on a daily basis and have an appreciation for where I am. I recently just watched the coach of Villanova who just won the NCAA Final Four in basketball. And he was being interviewed. And it was his first time ever being in the championship game. And he was up against a coach that had won it many times and Roy Williams, a brilliant coach. And he was talking with his wife and he said, we pinch ourselves every day that this is what we get to do for a living. And I will say this. I've been around sports a long time. I've never seen a coach act like Jay Wright did when Villanova won the championship. He was so cool and so calm and just took it in stride. And the reason being is that he was already living the dream by having this job. He was already living the dream by pursuing this career. Now, this is a guy who was born in the States. He lives in Philadelphia. He was born in Philadelphia. He coaches a university in Philadelphia. But I'm going to say this. In that regard, he has the emigrant edge. He has this spirit of gratitude all over him. I'm going to say this to you. A spirit of gratitude will lead to a spirit that leads to many, many aspects of success. A fifth trait that gives the emigrant edge that chance to become the rags-to-riches story is a boldness to invest. A boldness to invest. Richard Branson says this. He goes, the brave may not live forever, but the cautious do not live at all. The fact is that you have to be willing to grow and you have to be willing to put your money where your mouth is. You have to invest time, you have to invest energy, and you have to invest money. Three things. And you have to be willing to invest. And in order to grow, you have to do that. Look up sometime on Google the number of companies in the United States and worldwide that have been founded by immigrants. I mean, just huge organizations that you would use and see every hour of every day in business. These are people who who had these different traits, okay? They took on board the voracious openness to learn, the do-whatever-it-takes mindset, a willingness to outwork. They embraced the spirit of gratitude, and then they had the boldness to invest. And with that comes tremendous growth. A sixth trait I will give you is uh, very counterintuitive, very countercultural for today's world, and that's a commitment to delay gratification. 
a commitment to delay gratification. Brian Tracy uh, and Les Brown are two great mentors and friends and people you'll hear in future podcasts here. But Brian Tracy said, the ability to discipline yourself to delay gratification in the short term in order to enjoy greater rewards in the long term is the indispensable prerequisite for success. Discipline yourself to delay gratification in the short term, greater rewards in the long term. My friend Les Brown says this, if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. But if you do what is hard, your life will be easy. Delay gratification. Let me ask you right now, what areas of life in your health do you need to delay gratification in the short term so you can have the greater reward in the long term? With your business or uh, if you're an entrepreneur, what do you need to do with your business to delay that gratification in the short term so you can have the great reward in the long term? In relationships, delay gratification. Man, I sound like grandma, don't I? Talking about delayed gratification. Let me share with you. It's something I teach all my kids. It's something I teach all my kids. Delayed gratification. That's something that's considered very passe today. But I'm going to share with you. I've seen it happen over and over again where people who did not delay gratification in the short term did not get to reap the rewards in the long term. And then lastly, an emigrant edge. Remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. Uh, This is something we constantly are reinforcing with our coaches. Our coaches are constantly focused with their clients on overcoming the next challenge, the next problem, or reaching the next goal. And sometimes I have to make sure that the coaches keep perspective of how far their clients have come so that the coaches remind the clients, here's how far you've come. You always have to remember where you came from. In order to appreciate a mountaintop, you have to know what a valley looks like and remember what it looks like. Not to get stuck in the past, but to give you a frame of reference. Outside my office in my home, I have a painting, a beautiful painting by an artist named Edwin Hayes, done in the 1860s. And it's called The Emigrant Ship, spelled correctly with an E, and it's an emigrant ship leave in Dublin Bay. You know, 130 years after that painting was first done, I left Dublin Bay on an airplane and flew on TWA to New York City and New York ultimately on to San Diego. But I keep that painting outside my office. I live in a beautiful home. I live in a lovely neighborhood. And I've been blessed with many, many material things. But I always want to remember where I came from. I don't want to forget. It's an important deal. I would also tell you that I'm not stuck there. And I've embraced the new. And I've embraced the future. I felt such a great spirit of appreciation for what this country's done for me. That in February 19th of 2002, I became a U.S. citizen. Again, a very emotional thing. My mother and father were there. It was a bittersweet day for them, I think. Slightly bittersweet for me, but ultimately a a fantastic day. A very, very proud day in my life. In fact, my father gave me a, a gift on that day. And it was a picture of my grandfather. My grandfather had come to America in 1926. And then they left again back to Ireland in 1938. So my father was actually born in New York, although he's as Irish as Irish can be. So he left America when he was... I think uh, seven years old, and he's 85 today. But on the day I became a U.S. citizen, my dad presented me with his father's certificate of citizenship, and it was shocking because it was February 19th, 1927. It was exactly 75 years to the day that I'd become a citizen. Also hilarious, and an ode to government efficiency, that the form was actually identical. So that's kind of amazing how the world works. But I want to say this to you. You always want to remember where you come from as a power for your future. 
the big thing I want to say to everybody today is that we're all immigrants. We all are. It's anybody who wants to leave their current status or position and permanently settle in a better or another. We're all immigrants. You know, my wife is African-American, so my children are these just beautiful mix of black and white. And uh, I tell them, I tell them about their Irish heritage, but I also remind them of their African heritage. And I go, your dad came as an immigrant of his own free choice. Your great-great-grandfather didn't. In fact, their great-great-great-grandfather actually came as a slave. And I said, now here's the thing. Imagine what he would think of his great-great-grandchildren today and your opportunity. What would he do with your opportunity? What would he, the things you might complain about, what would he think of those complaints? What did he fight through in order to stay alive so that his lineage would have a greater prosperity in the future and a greater life? Whether you're an immigrant by choice or you were brought here not of your own volition, I would say this to you. Somebody in your life came before you and fought through some things and had a desire for you to have a better life. Someone in your lineage that you don't even know. It might be a great-great-grandfather, a great-great-grandmother. It could be your grandfather-grandmother. It could be your father or mother. It could be some of you listening are an immigrant. But somebody in your life paid a price to give you a better opportunity, somewhere along the line. Somebody made some choices. And my question to you is, what would they do with your opportunity? What would they do? And I would encourage you to focus on what you have and what you don't have. I would encourage you to think through, okay? On a scale of one to 10, how is your voraciousness to learn? Are you a three? Well, you don't have to become a 10, but if you're a three, maybe you can become a four. To what degree do you have a do whatever it takes mindset? On a scale of one to 10. On a scale of one to 10, how willing are you to work hard, to really do it, to put in the effort? On a scale of 1 to 10, how grateful would those who come in contact with you say you are? How often do you express it? How bold are you to invest? Okay? How willing are you to delay gratification? And how often do you remember where you come from? At the end of the day, we're all immigrants. And if you embrace that immigrant edge, you can have, I believe, a rags-to-riches story in whatever area of your life you choose to focus on. Well, I hope you enjoyed this program today. Don't forget to share it with your friends. Our goal, very, very simple here. We want to influence as many folks as we can in a positive way. There's a good life waiting for you. And so as I finish here today, I'll leave you with a little Irish blessing that my grandfather always said. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.